Hello and welcome to Back to Work Connect the podcast. I'm Gina Oglesby, CEO of Back to Work Connect, an education and employment career hub designed to get returners and career changers back to work. In each episode, we discuss topics that are important to you, including financial well-being, mental health, and the supports available to help you get back to work. In this episode, we are joined once again by Neve de Burke, the CEO and founder of Sproutland, to discuss looking for cash flow efficiencies. So this is our second part of this uh, topic, Neve. Um, so welcome again. We're, you know, coming up to big holidays like Christmas and back to school and, you know, holidays in uh, summertime. We want to talk about how we can make savings in our daily lives. So what suggestions do you have? So, yeah, Gina, I mean, pinch points. Our life is full of pinch points, unfortunately. We've got we've got Christmas. You know, some people have issues around September, either getting the kids out for school or for college. Maybe they've got kids going to college um, in a different place to where they live. They have to pay for rent. There are pinch points and there's things that, that, that we need to do. So, you know, to take the stress away, where can we save money? What can we do? And then, you know, really, I think this topic is really important as well with the fuel crisis also climate change crisis you know how can we make savings in the home what can we do and what are the benefits of it really you know I think that it's all very very interesting so we we talked previously on a different episode about you know good behaviors and you know saving I mean I'm the worst in the world I get my wages and I spend whatever I need to and whatever's left is what's left I know that's not the approach you should have and that you should set aside X amount at the beginning for savings and then you can spend whatever you have left. When it comes to savings, uh, how can we make savings around the house and how can we better prepare ourselves for these pinch points that come through? You know, it's it's really interesting the way that you put it there. The first thing you should do is segregate your accounts. So first of all, the things that need to be paid, they have to be paid. And, you know, you you mentioned it there, you pay for the things that you need to pay for first. And that has to happen. You have to pay for your electricity or you have to pay for you know the mortgage there's certain things in life unfortunately that we have to pay for now we did talk previously about how we can get the mortgage down potentially but you know how can we get those other have-tos down you know let's focus on that first so the utility bills there's a great focus on it at the moment because of the fuel crisis but really we should all be doing this anyway with our longer term climate change issues in a way the Fuel crisis is encouraging good behaviours. Like I look out my back window now at night time and there's not a light on. You'd think that there's nearly a power cut. We should all be doing that anyway. Why are we lighting rooms that nobody's in, you know? Um, so there you go. First off, switch everything off if you're not in the room. That was my dad's favourite saying, SOS, switch off something. <laughs> <laughs> switch off. That's great. I love it. And really interesting. Here's another thing I heard on the radio the other day as well as switch things off, unplug them. So say you have a phone charger plugged in and like I'm a demon for this. You put the, the phone chargers plugged into the wall, you plug in your phone at nighttime and then you get up in the morning and you unplug your phone, but you don't unplug it from the, the socket. Apparently, when the phone is not charging, it's still using approximately 75% of the energy it's, it's using when you're charging the phone. So it's unplug things as well. It's switch off those sockets on the uh, on the wall. I audited my utility bills to see were my practices that I was adopting, are they making an impact in my usage, right? And then I was also tracking the cost difference as well, which was interesting. 
So I'm actually keeping my bills level at the moment because of the fact that I'm reducing the usage. The government has a great website, Reduce Your Use, which is really, really well worth checking out. And it's interesting to see the biggest consumers of electricity in the house. Electric sharer is the biggest. They have a top of the list. The amount of energy that an electric sharer uses is just phenomenal. There's a lot of people who are into the air fryers at the moment. So these are quick, I convenient. <laughs> and do you it. like it? Absolutely love it. Everything just goes into it. Now, it's not huge, but everything goes into it. And I don't have to put the oven on. We have a, a range and it just takes half an hour for it to heat up. And there's a half an hour wasted. So absolutely, the air fryer is our, our new go-to. Brilliant. Exactly. Like there's so many people who are really interested, who, who do a lot with the air fryers. And as you say, it's the heating up time. So, you know, and you're kind of touching on it there as well, just the convenience, Gina. You know, one of the recommendations that I have is batch cooking. Now, I know there's a there's a great group of people online. They have kind of competitions and they see, you know, cooking for five for five euros kind of thing. And, and, and they post, you know, what they cook. But like batch cooking, I just live by batch cooking. And the reason why I do is you're going to be cooking a meal anyway. So why not double it up, right? It's It works out cheaper if you're cooking in volume. And then you take half of it and you stick it in the freezer. And then you come home from work. You're exhausted from running around all day long or running after the kids, balancing everybody else's schedule. You're starving. You don't want to switch on the oven, wait for it to heat up, try and put something together, peel it, scrub it, all that kind of stuff. Whereas you can go to the freezer, you can take out the chili or the curry that you put in there or the lovely healthy soup. And, you know, you've dinner, a wonderful dinner ready in 15 minutes and on people's table and cleanup is less than as well. You only have to do the one big cleanup. So the convenience and then the healthiness of the food like you are getting, you know, you're not just going down and getting something out of a can in the shop. You're having home cooked meal prepared by yourself at home for so reduced cost, reduced inconvenience. It just batch cooking is definitely. And then obviously the energy consumption you're using, like it's just there's so many wins with batch cooking. Makes it easier. We spoke about um, insurance companies and changing your, you know, looking at um, your particular car and your house insurance and swapping them all the time. Um, electricity and gas providers, is that still, um, I, I know I've heard horror stories about people who were on a particular tariff, the 12 months came up and they didn't look at it again and then they were charged all sorts of mad money. You know, is it still something that people do or is it something people should do, um, change their uh, electricity provider every year? Without a doubt. I mean, and, and it is exactly that, you know, when when you sign up to these packages, you're getting like 30, 40 percent off the ordinary tariff and you come off them. And, that, you know, that's why they have these introductory packages as well. You know, there is a reason. So they start really making money after year one when you're out of contract. Most definitely shop around, see what's best. Now, it's my understanding that there aren't as um, lucrative offers on the market at the, at the moment as it was. So ours is up in April every year, but we do shop around. Now, we also go back to your existing provider and say, I've been offered this by supplier A. Can you match it? Because they might they have offers there as well. Good place to start would be Bonkers or We Switch You is another great provider. And they actually just look after everything. I think you sign up to them and they look after everything every year for you. So you don't even need to go, when is my electricity up for renewal? 
they've got that all covered. But definitely. And there's another there's another site, actually, this is not to do with the utility, but to do with um, fuel like uh, petrol and diesel pumps.ie. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. No, I haven't. And, you know, we have three garages within Stones Trove where we live. And one of them is hugely expensive. And the other two are one of them is Tesco's and the other one is another um, main. And they vary so much and they are literally within a stone's throw. Um, and I always think it's amazing how people are like and all three garages would be packed. <laughs> like, why does nobody see it's cheaper somewhere else? But, yeah, it'd be great to see that. So they just monitor prices at the pumps, I assume. Yeah, so pumps.ie, the garages sign up and they, um, they're not all garages are on it, but it's really worth checking out. So, you know, you might kind of say, oh, I'm heading down to Mullingar today. I'm sure it's bound to be cheaper down there. And you leave yourself run dry, which is what we all do, especially when it's so expensive. And you get down there and it's another 20 cents on, on the litre. Pumps.ie, you, you might like that, Gina. You know, you've got three garages in close proximity. Say they were all messing around with the prices all the time. You might actually find that garage A is cheapest today, garage B is cheapest tomorrow, garage C. And like, you know, these can be 10 cents, you know, it can be significant if, if you're putting a lot in the car. So pumps.ie, it's a great website. That's definitely top tip for today. Pumps.ie is one I'm going to look at. So let's look at other um, household expenditure. And, you know, I there's two things I hate to do. One is to cook and two is to go shopping, particularly grocery shopping. But I do appreciate the value of shopping lists um, and not to go shopping when you're hungry. Um, but shopping lists, um, why are they so important and how can we save when we have a shopping list and we stick to it? Yeah, I mean, shopping lists, it's, it's something we do hear a lot of. And if you go to the shops without a shopping list, you are, unless you're very, very organized, you are most likely going to come out with stuff that you didn't intend in getting. And not with stuff that you did need to get. So I went down to the shop to get two litres of milk. I came home with a bottle of champagne. <laughs> and <laughs> never no happens to coffee. me, Neve. Never, never happens to me. <laughs> no, no. But are you trying to be humorous? Um, but but you do on the whole, you, you get back and you go, I forgot that. So then you need to go back out to the shop. So that's that's one. That's if you were doing a small shop and you say, Oh, I don't need a list, I only need three items. And you come back with the two of the three that you needed and not the other one. But if you're doing a big shop, you know, to sit down and, and to plan ahead. So I'm going to cook a chili this week, right? So what do I need for my chili? And my chili is going to do me two days and then I'm going to put two days in the freezer and I'm going to have one next week and one the week after. And because I'm, I have my list, I know exactly what I need. I'm not getting to the shops going, what, what do I cook now this week? Oh, and what's on the shelves then? You know, you, you've gone you've gone with a project plan. So you tick off that project plan and you stay to the project plan. And by the time you got to the end of the list, I'm like, Eugenia, I hate shopping. You're like, get me out of here. Get me home. <laughs> but it keeps you focused. And it means that you don't then have to nip out. Oh, I forgot to get my sweet corn. Right. Because when you nip out to get your sweet corn, you come home with a bottle of champagne and you don't bring your sweet corn. <laughs> You know, so that is the importance of shopping lists. And so if you were to do um, big shop weekly or little shops every other day, which would you prefer? Which are the most cost it efficient? It depends on how stocked yeah. your, your kitchen yeah. is. What well, I found, I mean, this is a personal choice. What I found um, lately is that we will cook one, maybe two batch meals a week. 
and then we'll dip in and out of the freezer for the other, you know, maybe take out a lasagna one of the days or, you know, spaghetti bolognese or, you know, dip in and out. So you're, you're mixing it up. You're not eating the same thing every night. And you're also replacing with alternative uh, batch meals. But I mean, I, this is completely personal. What I found if I if I went too organized with I'm going to have this on Thursday, what would happen is you get to Thursday, you'd be tired, you just pull something out of the freezer and that could and that could end up going to waste. So you don't want to overshop. But I think just no matter whether you're choosing to go little or large, go with a list. Perfect. Um, and, uh, you know, chest freezer, if you can fit one into the house. Freezer, Absolutely. Freezer, and, freezer. and shop your cupboards first as well. You know, that's a great tip. My husband is a demon for coming home with more tins of of, of tomatoes. <laughs> and you're like, we've got 50 in the cupboard. We don't need more. Yeah. Now, but my then, husband's a demon for going to um, the middle aisles and coming home with a, you know, a drill or a belt sander when we actually just needed milk. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so let's look at um, grants. You know, how can we keep our house warm? How, you know, what kind of grants are available to you know insulate our homes and you know where can we get them and you know are they worth the effort this is thankfully getting more support and i would see in the future getting even further support from the government right because the, the the climate change issue is just it's a big 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 problem that we need to solve and the government needs to do more to do to, to support that but at the moment it's dealing with the fuel crisis before that it was dealing with covid so First of all, in the first instance is, you know, how what can we do in our house to keep it warm, keep it insulated, use less energy and shutting doors. The good old draft excluders. Do you remember? You're going to use <laughs> to have them? That actually that actually they do work. They yeah. do work. Yeah, they do. Um, and what I did last year was I interlined all my curtains upstairs. So it's just, you know, you get interlining and hickeys, any fabric shop doesn't need to be graceful you don't need to be a seamstress to be able to do it and you stitch it up on the inside of the lining and your curtain and without a doubt so last year I didn't really feel the difference I thought I did I thought that there was more ambient temperature upstairs but these last few days I mean we've had really cold weather here lately and it's unbelievable the difference in in just just trapping that air in inside so we're opening the curtains in the morning going oh wow Look how cold it is outside. So interlining would be another place to start. But realistically, if you have an old house that, and by old, only probably 10 years old, anything over 10 years old now, there'll be a lot of inefficiencies and leakages and might not be as insulated as as certainly the new house. I mean, the new houses are all built to a standard. There are government grants there available. So the SEAI is the... Um, the body that you need to look at and they provide grants for insulating your walls helping you replace your windows insulating your attic I mean so much so much heat is lost up through an attic if it's not properly insulated water tanks water pumps there's all sorts of ways to improve efficiencies throughout the home now for most people the grants are you know, they're, they're worth a proportion of the total cost of it. And then it'll be over time in your energy bills when saving on your energy bills that you get your money back. One of the first places to start, and this details are on the SEAI website, would be a home energy assessment. 
So they part fund that and essentially you get an expert in. Now it's not it's not like a BE or search that says your house is an A rated house or a D rated house. This actually comes in and says, okay, well, your boiler needs to be done. That radiator needs to be replaced. You need this, you need that. And, you know, help you prioritize. So you can, you know, we'd all love to live in a perfectly warm, wrapped house that, but maybe it would be more in a, more efficient for you to insulate your attic than replace your windows. Or maybe you have a plan over the next five years, I want to totally upgrade my house. Where will I start? So, you know, certainly that home energy assessment is well worth checking out. Now, really interestingly, so those were part funded grants. There are also fully funded grants for certain people who might be more vulnerable. So if you are in receipt of a domiciliary care allowance because you look after somebody, a child who is reliant on you for medical reasons, for whatever reason, you can actually potentially access fully funded grants. So I would go to the SEAI website and check that out. Another thing, actually, I mentioned interlining, but blinds are also as well. They cause, they create a layer. So it's all about packaging hot air and creating vacuums of of warmer air so that, that, that there's not much temperature difference between outside and in. But a blind as well, you know, you can get cheap enough blinds in Ikea. They're not going to cost your fortune, but it adds an extra layer of insulation. And then obviously heat the rooms that you're you're in, not the ones that you're not in. I have to say the SEAI website is definitely one to, um, that I'm going, to, I'm going to have to look at. We started this conversation by talking about pinch points through the year and, you know, how do we how do we put our money into, you know, different savings accounts and how many is too many savings accounts and, you know, how many bank accounts are too many bank accounts or is it just that you know in your own head how much I have to spend and how much I'm putting away or do you actually when you say put them into vaults, is it physically transferring it into a different account or is it just in your mind? Yeah, so so different people uh, approach this in different ways. The way I manage things is I have a bills account. So my monthly bills account. I know my monthly bills every month are X and I make sure X goes into it. So I get paid, put X into that account. Those are my bills. They're sorted. I don't need to worry that my electricity bill is going to hit when there's no money in the account. So that's my the bills account. Then... I you do see people kind of saying, oh, well, I have my car insurance vault and they set up vaults and, and they use the likes of Revolut to set up vaults. Some people like cash envelopes. This is my cash envelope for my car insurance. Or some people kind of say, OK, well, my monthly bills account is my monthly bills account. And I know my car insurance, my car tax, uh, back to school costs, you know, those need to, must haves but they come out annually and I'm paying them annually because I'm going to save 10% by paying them annually. But my car insurance comes out in February and my school costs come out in September. So I know that I always need to have a balance of a thousand euros in that account. And to have that account at a thousand euros, I need to put in 89 euros a month, right? And you actually find, depending on when the payments come in and out, you don't necessarily have to have like Say your car insurance and your car tax comes to a thousand euros a year and people park a thousand euros a year for that. And then we'll just use the same figure going back to school costs a thousand euros a year. But they're two very different 
times of the year. So you don't need to lock up 2000 euros. It might be 1500 euros, if that makes sense, because they're hitting at different times. So that's another way, but to have kind of the annual bills account. The more accounts that you have, especially current accounts, the more likely that you're going to be charged because you're going to be charged per current account. So it might make sense to have one current account, potentially two, and I'll come back to why, and then hold the rest in kind of easy access deposit accounts. And when I said two, like if you are in a partnership with somebody else and your bills are joint, you should both be contributing to the joint account together. And all the bills of the household should be coming out of the joint account together. It shouldn't be coming out of just Gina's pocket. You know, it ha- it should be a joint thing because you're both responsible for it. But yeah, so you don't want loads of current accounts. You have to have a current account for functionality for a debit card to receive your money. You need to think about your bills account. Keep your bills account separate from your spending account. And then obviously your savings account. If you can save, if you have your emergency fund. So your emergency fund should be kept outside your bills accounts and your spending account so you need to have that emergency fund so yeah so those would be accounts so a current account that might be your spending account as well and out of that you take your bills both monthly and annual you have your emergency fund parked somewhere else and those would be a, those would be a minimum right so having just one current account and having everything your savings and everything in it isn't the best idea most definitely not. Okay. So we know, at, you know, at pinch points, Neve, uh, particularly Christmas, that we sort of lose a run of ourselves when it comes to spending. And particularly if we have children, you know, we, we want them to have the best of everything, but we don't want to, you know, make them get everything they want. But we end up spending a fortune. Um. So I've heard of this thing called conscientious spending, you know, the difference between nice to have and need to have. Uh, any ideas? Explain to me why we need this in our lives. Yeah. And I mean, that's a, that's exactly, it's a great way to put it. It's a nice to, is it a nice to have or a need to have? So cash flow for many is going to be tight. You know, especially if you're kind of in the returner space, you're returning to the office. So maybe the money hasn't come in yet from your first pay packet, but in general, you know, we all like the endorphin hit that we get from, from shopping and those are fabulous pair of shoes. Oh, look, look at the price of them but I love them so much, I have to have them. And then we bring them home and we realize that we actually wear them once this year, once next year. And then we keep going to the cupboard and looking at them and saying, oh, aren't they wonderful shoes? Whereas, you know, there are certain things and so then the electricity bill comes out and we have to pay that. We absolutely have to pay that. We didn't really need the beautiful shoes. So it's about going back to our lists, write a list. What do we need? I'm going to do my Christmas shopping. What do I need? I need to get for Jill. I need to get for Jack. This is what I'm getting for Jill. This is what I'm getting for Jack. This is what I'm getting for Anne. You know, you have your list. You know what you're getting. So that's where to start. And if there's something that you see a jumper and you absolutely love it, right? This this would be my downfall. I walk into a shop and I say, I'm here to get something for Gina, but isn't that just fabulous? Wouldn't I just love that? You sleep on it for a day. You say, do I really want it? How much do I really want it? Am I am I going to get a lot of use out of it? And you actually find that that grow that when you see it, first of all, you go, I really need this. That actually dissipates over time. And a couple of days later, you go, yeah, it was nice. But you know what? I'd actually prefer to go out for dinner instead. So that it's kind of taking a pause. So you have your list and then take a pause about everything else. Do we need, is it a nice to have or need to have? 
And it does help. I mean, if, if you don't adopt that mentality, you find that the card goes out. It's being tapped. It's being tapped. Just that mentality to think about it, just to think about the spending. And, you know, then you can go back to the whole environmental thing about it. You're wearing those shoes once a year. Those shoes were made by you don't know who. It's traveled halfway across the world. The carbon emissions. So that conscientious spending has other knock-on impacts as well. I think, you know, it is definitely, you know, we, we need to be able to decide what we need to have and what we must have. We also need to have some nice things as well, you know, and it, you can't say that we, you know, just because it's only nice to have that it's not something that we should buy for ourselves. And, you know, I, I would always bring this back down to mothers. Um, and I know myself, I like 99% of my wages goes on either the house or the kids. And I so rarely buy anything. And then I have a you know, one of those moments where I see a pair of shoes and go, oh my God, they're fabulous. You know, we are allowed to do that as well, though, aren't we? Yeah. And I think that's very important for your well being. But it's a conscientious decision, right? And, and, you know, if you do really like those shoes, you will still really like those shoes the next day, but you've thought about it. And then you're you're even more confident in the spend that you've made. So we did talk previously and we touched on it here about the whole idea of joint account for bills, but your own account. You have to, you go to work, you work hard for your money. And yeah, I'm like you, I, I spend my days shopping for the family, never shop for myself because I'm just sick of shopping at that point and I, I'm over it. But then I realized, you know, but what about me? So yeah. You know, life is for living as well. You deserve those shoes. You worked hard for that money. So provided everything else is looked after and you do really like it, you know, so that balance is sleep on it for a day. I really like them. I'm going to get them. Um, on that note, I'm going shopping to buy those lovely shoes for myself. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you so much, Neve. As always, um, that was a really interesting topic. Um, lots of people, lots for people to digest and to, you know, to ponder over. SEIA grant, I think that's the big one. Pumps.ie and bonkers.ie or you switch, I think are the top tips for today. Thank you for listening to the Back to Work Connect podcast series. Uh, my name is Gina Oglesby, and today I was with Neve Burka, CEO and founder of Sprout Plans. Thank you to our funders, uh, Bank of Ireland, the Begin Together Fund, and the Community Foundation of Ireland. Wow.